Well, today we are honoring the National uh, Sanctity of Life, of Human Life Sunday. Uh, President Ronald Reagan designated uh, this day, the first National Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, on January 22, 1984. And he inaugurated the day, uh, not really to honor, but to draw to attention to the infamous Roe v. Wade a Supreme Court decision, uh, which legalized abortion on demand, uh, which took place on January 22, 1973. And so today is January 22, uh, 2017. Uh, we've had 44 years of legalized abortion in America. Over 59 million Unborn babies have been murdered by abortion since 1973. Abortion ends the life of approximately a thousand or a million babies each and every year. More innocent children are put to death every day. About 3,000 uh, then died in the 9-11 attacks. And yet many people, including many Christians, hardly give abortion a thought. It's just one of the many problems we have in the country, people think. And why should we get worked up about it? Well, today we're going to talk about responding to abortion. We want to be clear about what God's Word teaches us about abortion, and then we want to discover how we should respond to it in our day and in our city. I'd like us to watch a short video. It's called Created for Life. It's based on Psalm 139 to get an idea of what God's Word says about life. And so God is the author of all life. He is the only one with the authority both to create and to take life. And so as people, we are to value the lives of all other people who are created in the image of God, and that includes the unborn. Now, you would think that Christians would be universally opposed to abortion, and yet the majority of women who have abortions identify themselves as Christians. 76% of women who have had abortions say that their church had no influence on their decision to have an abortion. In a recent study, only about 10% of Protestant pastors had preached on uh, abortion in the past year. And so today we're going to look at the topic of abortion in, in greater detail, and my goal is that each person here would be convinced of the importance of being pro-life in their own lives and in their own families. And not only would we be convinced, but God would give us some information to be able to persuade others, others that we know, others that we talk to, of what God's Word says about the issue of abortion. The church really needs to lead the fight for those who cannot defend themselves, which is the unborn. The fate of the nation really hangs, as we'll see today, on our response to the Holocaust of abortion. And I believe that in the next few years, uh, abortion will once again be the center of a very violent struggle in our country between those who wish to value all of human life and those who wish to maintain the right to choose to abort their own children. And so in order to prepare us for what lies ahead that's coming, probably beginning this year and continuing on for the next few years, we're going to look at three questions today 
to help us to have a biblical response to abortion. The first question, and I encourage you to take out the white page in the middle of your bulletin, and it has the questions or the outline written out as, long, as well as the verses. On the back is some study questions, and uh, a number of the life groups are going to be going over that tonight. So first question is, what's wrong with abortion? Now you would think there's an obvious answer to this, and indeed there is an obvious answer, and yet many people still don't understand. So we're going to go through it uh, in detail. The Bible teaches us that life begins at conception. Psalm 139, the video was about that. Verse 13 says, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And so this whole psalm, we saw many of the verses there in that video, talks about God's hand inside the womb of the mother, knitting, creating this unborn baby. Modern science, of course, informs us that when a sperm fertilizes an egg, the entire genetic information for the human being then is present at the very moment of conception. And from that moment of conception, the, the growth of the baby accelerates until finally it's born nine months later. And so abortion, therefore, sheds innocent blood. Psalm 106 says, speaking of in the Old Testament, it says, they sacrificed their sons and daughters to false gods. They shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. And so this verse talks about what happened in ancient Israel when they sacrificed their children to idols. Now, why would anyone sacrifice their own children to an idol? Ever thought about that? Well, it was because the parent decided that the blessing or the benefit they got from the idol for sacrificing their children to it was of more value than the life of their child. Why did people sacrifice to idols in the Old Testament? Well, they sacrificed to idols because the idols promised protection. The idols promised assurance of good crops. The idols promised health, prosperity, wealth. And so they chose to sacrifice their children for these promises that the idols gave. Sacrifice of children here is called the shedding of innocent blood, the blood of one's own children. In exactly the same way, abortion today is the shedding of innocent blood of a mother's own child. Why do people have abortions today? Same reasons. They believe the benefits of killing the child outweigh the importance of the life of the child. They might not want to be inconvenienced. They might want to use their money for other things. Uh, all kinds of reasons that they think are more important than the life of the child that they carry. And so God views the shedding of innocent blood as really the worst kind of sin imaginable. And so abortion is simply murder. We need to call it for what it is. Exodus 20, 13, the Ten Commandments, you shall not murder. Now, many people wrongly say that all sins are the same. I don't know if you ever heard anybody say, all sins are the same. You know, it really doesn't matter. No sin is any worse than any other sin. But that's not what the Bible teaches at all. And that's not what our law system teaches. It doesn't make really any sense at all. 
Uh, the worst sin in the Bible, what is the worst sin? Well, it's the one that requires capital punishment. That is the uh, worst penalty we have in the Bible for sin, and that sin is murder. The worst kind of murder in the Bible is the shedding of innocent blood. And of course, there's no blood more innocent than the blood of a baby who's not been born yet. And so let's uh, quickly deal with another argument, the argument of the life of the mother. You know, well, what, what if the mother's life is at stake and, and you know, who's, who's going to live? Well, abortion is, <clears throat> I, I'll just say never, you know, let's not argue about the thousands of one percent uh, things here. But, uh, abortion is never medically necessary today to save the life of a mother. And Senate testimony has given regarding this with today's technology a C-section is always safer and quicker uh, to save the mother's life than having an abortion. And so it's not one versus the other. Likewise, the common argument that mothers have a, a choice, uh, that's their right to choose to terminate the life of the baby. Well, a mother's choice ends when the baby's life begins. Of course, obviously, she had a choice. How did she get pregnant? So... Uh, in 99% in of the cases. So her choice ends when the baby's life begins. And so this is um, very basic information, and yet pro-abortion people argue over and over that the mother's choice uh, is more important than the baby's life. But thankfully, because of modern technology, uh, ultrasounds, how many people have seen a, an ultrasound of a baby? Ultrasounds, and, and there's even... Um, you know, more detailed imaging now that we have today. And you can see the, the fingers and the toes and all kinds of things. And because of that, uh, more and more people are becoming convinced that this unborn child is not just a blob. It's not just a bunch of tissue or something like that. It's a baby. And you can see that it's a baby and its life must be valued. Now, have you ever wondered why certain people, certain groups get so agitated for the right, basically, to murder children? You know, we have our right. We must do this. We must have our rights. And what we're observing is more than just people's ideas. Uh, we don't battle against flesh and blood. And so behind the pro-abortion rhetoric is Satan himself. Uh, and he is the original murderer. Satan engineered the murder of many children in order to try to destroy Moses. Remember Moses being put in the basket because the, the Egyptians were trying to kill all the children. And Satan was trying to destroy a future leader of Israel. Satan engineered the murder of many children to attempt to destroy the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Uh, Hundreds, maybe thousands of children around the age that might have been born when Jesus was born were murdered to try to kill him. And so Satan continues to inspire those committed to abortion to destroy future generations. And so as believers, we need to learn to clearly articulate what's wrong with abortion. Second question, what are abortion's consequences? Well, there are consequences for Obviously, the unborn child uh, for the mother and society. The baby's life is cut short. Genesis 9, 6 says, Whoever sheds human blood, by humans shall their blood be shed. For in the image of God, 
has God made mankind. And so this verse, written before the law actually, shows us how serious God views murder. Murder is wrong because each human being has been created in the very image of God, including unborn babies. And so to take the life of another human being is in effect actually an attack on God because people have been created in God's image. And the penalty for murder, according to God's word here, Genesis 9, 6, is capital punishment. And that shows the gravity of sin, the sin of murder in God's view. And so the abortion is the shedding of innocent blood, terminating the life of a child created in the image of God. Now one common argument, we've kind of mentioned it before, is that abortion is just one of many issues that we face today. We have all kinds of issues, it's just one issue, and it shouldn't really be considered any more important than any other issue. Well, that argument is false, uh, because God's Word tells us which issues are most important. The sin of murder, which is what abortion is, has the greatest punishment, because it's the worst sin, and that's why it's imperative for us to do everything we can to stop abortion and to save babies' lives. What about the mother? Well, the mother must repent of murder. That's possible. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all righteousness. And so the mother that chose to have an abortion, obviously the abortionist who conducts the abortion, and anyone else that aided in the abortion, they're accessories to murder. They're guilty of murder in God's eyes. And the Bible tells us that murderers will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so the mother, anybody else involved in the abortion, needs to repent. They need to repent of their sin, ask for God's repentance. I mean, ask for God's forgiveness. Now, what does it mean to repent? We talked about this briefly in the class this morning. To repent is to turn away from your sin such that if you were in the same situation again, you would not commit the sin. Let me say that again. To repent is to turn away from your sin such that if you were in the same situation again, you would not commit that sin. So to repent does not simply mean I'm sorry for the consequences. I'm sorry for the problems this has gotten me into, but I would do it again anyway. That's not repentance. So in the case of abortion, it's like to truly repent of having an abortion or helping someone have an abortion is to say, if I was in the same situation again, now I understand that abortion is wrong, that abortion is murder, and I would not do it again. That's what true repentance is. Now, even with repentance, the consequences of sin can last for a lifetime. And uh, there are many studies that show Guilt and the things of, uh, of having an abortion are very traumatic for many, many women. Now, God can forgive, God can bring healing, but how much better not to have sinned in that way in the first place? Our relationship with God can be repaired through forgiveness, repentance, and forgiveness. And uh, anyone can repent. There's even cases of Abortionists who have aborted thousands of babies, finally God breaking through into their lives and say, look, 
I now realize what I'm doing, and I'm going to stop, repent, and turn to God, and God can forgive. Abortion's consequences, child, the mother, and the nation. A, a nation is under God's judgment. Let's continue reading in Psalm 106. We, we started, we're talking about the children of Israel sacrificing their children to idols. And here were the consequences in verse 38. It says, And the land was desecrated by their blood, the blood of their children. They defiled themselves by what they did. By their deeds they prostituted themselves. Therefore the Lord was angry with his people and abhorred his inheritance. He gave them into the hands of the nations and their foes ruled over them. And so the sin of shedding innocent blood does not just affect the baby, does not just affect the mother, the very land of the nation that permits such an atrocity is desecrated by the shedding of innocent blood. Now what does that mean? Well, desecrated land becomes inhabited by demons which affect the people living in the land. Desecrated land is subject to God's judgment, multitude of ways, disease, economic failure, disasters, invasion, I believe that in the 44 years since abortion has been legalized in America, for those of you that have been alive that long, you look back, I think there's been a huge proliferation of sexual perversion in the last 44 years, a direct consequence of the sin of abortion. And it's God's judgment being poured out on the land. And so as repentance is a solution for a mother's sin of abortion, so repentance is a solution for a nation that's permitted the slaughter of unborn babies for the last 44 years. Now, as I said, with this technological advances and actually being able to picture and view the child in the mother's womb, the tide of public opinion is slowly, gradually turning against abortion. More Americans today view abortion as morally wrong than morally acceptable. It's still fairly closely balanced, but uh, it's turning that way. And just this year, the United Methodists uh, voted to remove their endorsement of the Roe v. Wade decision for the first time in 40-some years. They had a, an, a, a resolution that as the United Methodists, they endorsed abortion. They endorsed the Roe v. Wade. And this year, somewhat surprisingly to me, the United Methodists voted uh, to rescind that endorsement. It was a close vote, but they did vote that. And so that's another sign that public opinion is turning against abortion. And of course, the elections uh, give us hope uh, for the future in this country. But the sin of abortion affects the entire nation, and so we must be involved in a biblical response to abortion. So how should we respond? So, uh, Proverbs 24 says, Rescue those being led away to death. Hold back those staggering towards slaughter. If you say, but we knew nothing about this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who guards your life know it? Will he not repay everyone according to what they have done? And so this is a very challenging verse. It's 
telling us that as believers, God's word obligates us to do something to rescue children who are being bled away to slaughter, staggering towards slaughter. To say we can do nothing, to say we see nothing, to say out of sight, out of mind, God understands. Uh, he knows what we can and should do. And so those who do nothing to prevent a murder, if you're legally aware of a murder or that's going to happen and you do nothing to prevent it, uh, what are you called in the eyes of the law? You're an accessory, okay? And the same is true here. If we do nothing at all to prevent murder, we become accomplices, we become guilty of that murder as well. And so this morning, to be honest, many of us may need to repent. We may need to repent for not doing our part uh, to ultimately put in, to re eliminate, to at least uh, begin to reduce and ultimately put an end to abortion in our country. So going forward, what can we do? First of all, we should pray. Pray that abortion will be ended. The Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6.10 says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, there's no murder going on in heaven. And so, of course, all murder we should oppose, but particularly the shedding of innocent blood. And so we must pray that God's kingdom influence would continue to expand in our country. We should pray that churches would be more vocal in speaking out on pro-life issues. And that believers would influence more and more people to believe God's word concerning abortion. We should pray for those in political power at the local, state, and federal level that they would take steps to reduce and ultimately eliminate legal abortions. So prayer is very, very important. It should be on our prayer list. Secondly, vote for pro-life candidates. Psalm 82 says, defend the weak and the fatherless, uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed, rescue the weak and needy, deliver them from the hand of the, uh, the wicked. So in order to have the laws of our country reflect God's word, we need pro-life candidates to be elected at every level of government. As we said before, abortion is not just one of many important issues, it's really the most important issue that should determine your vote. Now just think about it. I mean, a lot of people use this, but just think about any other issue that you think is important. And if you knew that a baby was going to be murdered, is that issue more important than the murder of that baby? And I think not. And not this is not just the murder of one baby. We're talking about the murder of millions of babies. So yes, there are other important issues, but nothing is of the magnitude in God's word that the murder of abortion is. And so the answer, according to God's word, is absolutely nothing is more important than abortion. That should be our top priority in our voting. Finally, we need to do what we can to persuade others to be pro-life. Matthew 5.13 says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. So what is salt? Salt is a preservative. It prevents rot. It prevents decay. 
And as believers, we are here on this earth to prevent decay and rot in our society, in this case, the decay of abortion. And how are we salt? We do it by working to persuade others of the truth of God's word concerning abortion. It might be a friend or relative who is convinced that a woman has a right to abort her baby. God wants us to influence them, to persuade them to change their thinking. might be somebody who has an unplanned pregnancy and they don't know what to do. And we're in a situation to influence them. To influence them. Now, I might just add here that influencing people, obviously we want people to be saved, but we can influence people for good who aren't even saved. And that's a positive thing if it prevents babies from being killed. Uh, we need to learn how to help people in crisis pregnancies. I mean, the whole illogical nature of this is that no baby needs to be aborted. There's people looking to adopt babies. Why don't they put them up for adoption? Well, there's obvious alternatives. Adoption is one. Getting help to keep the baby is another. Uh, as a church, we're supporting the Christian crisis pregnancy programs at Thrive St. Louis, right here in St. Louis, and they work to help Mothers make the decision to keep their babies or possibly to put them up for abortion, I mean, up for adoption and avoid abortion. They've helped hundreds and hundreds of mothers make the right decision, and we're going to continue to support them here right in St. Louis. Now, you might not be aware, but many churches today are basically pro-abortion churches. Uh, in fact, many women who get abortions report their churches were the ones that helped them to get abortions. And so, no Christian should go to a church that's pro-abortion. Uh, no Christian should go to a church that never speaks out about it because it's too controversial. Uh, if you have friends going to such churches, I'd encourage you to talk to them, persuade them of what God's Word speaks about life, and encourage them to come to a pro-life church such as Life Church. Now in your bulletin, we have a handout there. Uh, you can take a look at that this afternoon with some more information uh, about abortion, what you can do about it, uh, how you can get involved. In the future, we'll have other materials available for you as well. But as I said before, I believe as a nation, we are entering into a time in the next year or two of unprecedented opportunity and really unprecedented danger in a number of ways, but particularly regarding abortion. And so the future of our nation hangs in the balance. God has been merciful for 44 years, but ultimately that mercy is going to end and judgment is going to fall. And so a, a crucial aspect of our future as a nation is how we respond to the sin of abortion. And I believe we have an opportunity in the next few years to actually eliminate it as a legally prescribed procedure. And so let's pray, let's work, let's do our part to create a culture that embraces God-given life, including unborn babies. Now, the most important thing is that 
people have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when people have a relationship with Jesus Christ and they follow God, God speaks to their hearts and they begin to understand the truth about abortion, the truth about God's word standard about life. And so that's one of the most important things we do, continue to be witnesses, to teach people about the truth of God's word, that they can become believers, have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that even if they've had abortions in the past, God can forgive and restore them to himself. So I'm going to bow our heads right now. We're going to pray. Uh, if you'd like to commit your life to Jesus Christ for the first time this morning or recommit your life, I'd encourage you to pray along with me, something like this. Father, today I admit that I've sinned, I've done wrong things in the past, and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that my sins might be forgiven, rose from the dead, and I put my faith and trust in him as my Lord and Savior. For those of us who are believers this morning, let's uh, pray as well. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word that gives us the truth about how we should understand and respond to every situation in life. And this morning, we, we choose to agree with your word that abortion is murder and it's the shedding of innocent blood. And because we understand that, God, we pray that you would forgive our nation, of which we are part, for legalizing this murder of millions of babies for the past 44 years. Forgive us as believers for not doing everything we could to end this abomination, God, for turning our eyes the other way. Forgive those of us who have been deceived into either having or aiding somebody to have an abortion. We repent of those sins. We ask for your forgiveness and your healing in our lives. Help us to pray regularly, God, that this stain of abortion would be removed from our land. Help us, God, to support and vote for pro-life candidates and policies at every level of government. We pray that you give us the opportunities and the words to persuade others of the truth of your word, God, even as we're witnesses for you. We thank you that we can make a difference, that you've put us in this place, in this time, to make a difference for you, to be salt and light in our society. We thank you, God, that you're going to help us to defend those who cannot defend themselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.